Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at blcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Last week we talked about an anointing and and, and as a pastor, when I think about anointing, I don't always want to think about ourselves. So don't think about anointing only for someone that's going to be a king or someone that's going to be a pastor or perhaps a leader in the church. You have been anointed by God. You are a child of God. And he has separated you from the world. And he has a work for you to do, according to Ephesians. Before the world began, he has some works for you to do for the kingdom of God. So you can send up ahead of time those rewards and treasures. And so he has anointed you to do something for his glory. This week we're going to look at waiting. David was no stranger to waiting. And he knew how difficult it was. You see, out of nowhere, Samuel showed up at his home to anoint the next king of Israel. Who was going to be chosen from all his brothers? Well, the son that was elected was David. Scripture tells us that the Spirit of God rushed over David and was with him the remainder of his days. I want you to know, child of God, that the Holy Spirit dwells in you differently evidently than it did in the Old Testament. And so you have that same anointing that David had not necessarily to be king if you want to be king you can be king of your own castle even if it's only a little castle on the beach you can be king of something if you'd like well the wait began you see the anointing was upon him now with such an anointing that he was going to be the next king, you would expect David to run and take the seat of his throne. But the only running David did was back home to the pasture, shepherding sheep. Thus the waiting began. Let's look at some of the things that happened while he was waiting. And so that I can help you at least look a little deeper into 1 Samuel 18. There are some things that God's doing while Samuel's waiting. <laughs> One of them is patience. How many have patience here today? Not too many. You're afraid to raise your hand. Patience, waiting. We love to wait, don't we? love to wait in line at the store, at the bank. We love, don't you? I, I was on, on the, um, with Wells Fargo this week, and I waited and waited, got this number, that number, this number. I'm, I'm telling you, four different numbers, probably spent over an hour and a half on the phone with Wells Fargo. I kept my cool. I honored the Lord. What a challenge that was. Waiting in line at a long light. I'm so glad I only have to travel five minutes to work every day from Jacaranda to here. Wow. I miss all that traffic that you guys love because you love being tried in that traffic. Your patience is just overwhelming. I can see it beaming from your faces. I don't have to deal with that temptation that many of you have to deal with. What are you waiting on? 
in this particular chapter, God is doing some things while he's waiting. And, and I'll give you a little sneak preview because you may not see that in there. Of course, he's developing his maturity. Patience develops maturity. But he's being productive. I wonder if you'll be able to see a few of the things that he's being productive in these few verses. And God's going to provide for David. And then remember, waiting on God can be a blessing to others. Allah, the book of Job. Aren't you glad how he waited on the Lord and what a blessing that has been to the saints down through the corridors of history? Well, let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 18. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan and him became one in spirit with David. He loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. And so Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistines, the woman came out from the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and flutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. May God add the blessings to the reading of his word. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray that again your anointing would be upon all of us here to listen and to speak. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Waiting. What are you doing while you're waiting? I'm waiting. Is that what you're doing while you're waiting on God? Doing nothing? How many of you know that not waiting on God can be disastrous? How many of you personally experienced you got ahead of God? Really, there's no such thing as getting ahead of God. But you decided to take matters in your own hands. And disaster was the result. Has that happened to anybody here? Can you think of a couple characters in the Bible that did that? I think of a nice character, Abraham. Abraham and Sarah, right? You're going to have a baby. They decided like you and me, you know, okay, it's been a long time. It's been about six, seven years. And, and, and okay, they started talking together. Maybe surrogate mother. You know, there was all different kinds of ways to have babies back then like there is today. That I'm not saying it's right. But, uh, hey, you know, there's that gray line. Is this really God's will? Is it really not? Um, how about I give you another woman and you can have a baby through her. It's still your baby. It's still our baby. Ah, and they liked the idea. And the idea was hatched. 
and birth took place. Did they get ahead of God? Absolutely. Abraham's mistake, we're still paying the price today for the mistake Abraham made by not waiting on the Lord. And when he did wait, look what happened. Isaac was born. I think about Saul. One more disaster I want to bring to your attention by not waiting on God. What are you waiting on right now? Be patient. If you trust in him, really it says something about your faith and my faith, right? I know there's something I'm waiting on, and I haven't really told a lot of people. And the tendency for me is to want to tell a lot of people. But see, I got my cue from a great, great theologian, a great, great prayer warrior who built an orphanage in Europe. And he would not tell people about what his needs were for that orphanage. George Mueller is who I'm talking about. And he would go to God on his knees all by himself. He would not announce to the church or to the people. He would tell them, tell God, this is what I need. And man, did he get to enjoy the glory of God by seeing answers to his prayers. So there's a temptation to take matters into your own hands, or there's a temptation to tell everybody about what that need is. Perhaps someone might meet that need. They might feel guilty and meet that need for you. But Saul was told, go to such and such place, wait seven days, Samuel's going to come and make an offering. Now, he was the king of Israel. He wasn't also the priest and judge. And he waited. And he waited. And he waited. And he got antsy. And he couldn't wait long enough. And he decided to make an offering that was designated for the priest only. See, our country has a problem sometimes when God designates people to do certain things, like a woman to have a baby and not a man. They, they have a problem with things like that. Saul had a problem. As a result, he lost everything. He lost the kingdom of God because he did not wait on God. Some of you might have married the wrong person because you didn't wait on God. Some of you waited on God and you're in the right church. Waiting on God. Well, just to help you a little bit this morning, what happens when you're waiting on God? Psalms 105 reminds us one of the many things that God does while we're waiting. He said this about Joseph. Remember, in his dream, he was told he was going to be over all his brothers. The scripture says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams. I don't know what your dream is, but until that time, the Lord tested Joseph's character. When God puts a dream in our hearts, we undergo testing. The greater the dream, the greater the test. God uses those tests to prove our character to make sure we don't waste the dream. So by examining these truths, we can find hope in the difficulty of waiting and see how waiting can be beneficial to our future. Let's look at the first one that's obvious. Waiting produces patience. 
We all know where we have learned that from, James chapter 1. Let's think about it. Again, you're waiting, so here's what God's doing. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Now, I used the King James Version on purpose because it uses the word patience instead of endeavor or endure. It says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So God is up to something, and waiting produces patience, and patience produces maturity. Now, patience is needed in order to see your kids grow up and to be productive citizens. Some of you are waiting for your kids to grow up, and, and you're still waiting for them to grow up. But it takes patience. Patience can keep you from being impulsive. How many of us have been impulsive on a decision that we were waiting for God to answer, and we didn't wait long enough, and we became impulsive? That can happen a lot in our spending. That can happen a lot with our mouths. That can happen a lot with our pedal to the metal. There's many ways that we can become impulsive. But if we learn patience, I've always told you the greatest place I've learned patience it was in my, is in my driving. No longer, praise God, don't try me on the way out, but the enemy, <laughs> the enemy does not get the victory in my driving as a rule anymore. I said that not too long ago, and I came down old hiatus road to the stop sign. And now since you can cut across and go all the way to the left lane to get to hiatus road to turn left, guess what happens now? Where traffic used to flow pretty easily because everyone had to turn right, now they can go straight and go left. So they, some people get there, and I think it was someone from our church. I think they saw me in their rearview mirror, and they just waited and waited. That's when I put on a song, and that's when I opened up the word. Answer prayer. How many of you are waiting for an answer prayer right now in your lives? David waited seven to ten years to become king of Israel. So let's look first of all. He waited for a position. How many of you are waiting for a position on your job like King David? You see, it's something God had anointed for David, the position of king over Israel. And yet it would be years before he would actually become the king. He was anointed, yet Saul sat on his throne. You see, God prepared David to be king. However, the only vocation David had known was shepherding. He did not know the ins and outs of a kingly protocol or the rules of royal deity. David did not have the support of the people or armies to defend him as king. He was only a lowly shepherd boy. Instead of taking the position he promised, David waited for God to move him from the pasture to the palace. God needed to equip David. How can we relate to that? Reminds me of Jacob. Jacob wants to be senior pastor. I said, wait, Jacob, you got a little ways to wait. And he's been waiting. Eight years he served at another church as large as, more larger than this, two, three times larger. 
And he's been serving there, and he's been serving here two years. You see, Timothy teaches us that someone who just gets saved shouldn't just automatically be catapulted into a leadership role. That person needs to be tried. You, he needs to earn your love. He needs to earn your trust, and he is doing that. The Scripture teaches us in Timothy that this person that desires to be a pastor must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited. And fall under the same judgment of the devil. Too often when someone gets saved and they're, they're all on fire and that's good. But they catapult them into a, 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 le- a position of leadership. And God says, don't do that to that person. It continues to say, he must also have a good reputation with outsiders. That's what Jacob's doing right now. And, 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 and with the insiders. And so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So we're not rushing him in that, but we're preparing him these last two years so next year he can become, we can kind of switch roles a little bit while I'm here. He will become the lead pastor. Well, reminds me of our salvation. God said we're all priests in his kingdom. Heaven is your home. Your citizenship is there. But you must go through trials and tribulations before you are permanently there, before you get your heavenly green card You must be tested and tried on this earth. Are you waiting for a position right now that you would like to have where you work at? Wait on the Lord. And if you love him and have faith in him, I believe that God will give you that position that you desire in your heart. What about a promotion? At least maybe David can get a promotion. Are you waiting on a promotion? Some of you work for bosses that are like King Saul that literally hated David and wanted to kill him. Does anybody have a boss like that? I see, I saw somebody, a couple people raise their hands. You can't stand your boss and your boss can't stand you. But you're better than your boss. You're doing a better job like King David, better than King Saul. What does God want you to do? Remember Joseph and Daniel. God wants you to shine right where you're at. Because if you cannot conduct yourselves now properly in the way a child should serve his master, then why should he trust you with that position of leadership? Look at what Daniel did. Look at what Joseph did. By the way, Daniel would never, ever become the king. But yet, look how mighty God used Daniel. Perhaps he'll use you right where you're at, and perhaps he doesn't want you to be in that leadership role that you so aspire to. Waiting patiently produces character. What are you waiting on? What have you prayed? What about for a spouse? How many are waiting on, anybody here waiting on a spouse here? I see some young people. Anybody waiting on a spouse? Oh, you still, okay. We've got someone older here. He's waiting on a spouse. Well, let me ask you something. How are you behaving in between while you're waiting on a spouse? Hmm. What kind of conduct does God expect from you while you're waiting on a spouse? I know when I got lost, I had to change my mind about how I dated. And it took quite a while, but in time, my mind changed totally to how I dated my wife now of 40 years. 
God wants to change your mind how you date that young lady or that guy and conduct yourself properly if you expect to land the number one guy or girl that you deserve. How are you conducting yourself, young person? Are you dating in a way that pleases God? Are you texting properly? Are you on social media and saying all kinds of things that you shouldn't be saying? Or are you, can everybody tell that you are a born-again believer and you're waiting on the right one from God? What about more money, a bigger paycheck? How are you handling your finances now? You expect a bigger paycheck. You're asking from God to increase. Well, are you a good steward of what God's given you already while you're waiting for the increase in your paycheck? How are you handling God's money now? Are you a giver? Are you a generous giver? I never pick on people here. Hardly ever. God has afforded us to have a debt-free church, and we do not have. It took years and years of hard toil to get to where we're at. Three, four people have tried to take this church away from us. Here we are, debt-free. But if God's people would learn to be generous and really give, there would be so many more things we could do for the glory of God. Are you handling his resources properly? They're all his. Are you a generous giver to God? How can you expect him to give to you if you're not giving to him? What about being faithful in the waiting seasons of your life? Are you being faithful to God? Psalms 40, Psalms 40, reminds us how David waited. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my feet on a rock. And he gave me firm place to stand. (laughs) He put a new song in my mouth. I have a praise unto our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him by what they saw. Are they seeing that in you? Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, but to those who turn aside to false gods. Oh, David waited patiently on God. And we read about what he went through while he waited to become king of all Israel. He remained faithful to God. Are you remaining faithful to God as a single person, as a person that wants a child, as a person that wants an increase in their salary, as a person that's waiting on their prayers to be answered? And what about all of us? As we wait on the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, are we acting like he's ready to come today? I know when we were meeting in the back room, I said, let's sing like today's our last day. Or let's preach like this is our last day. Or let's listen like this is our last day. Are you really, really being productive for our Lord Jesus Christ while you're waiting? Well, actually, that's what I want to talk about next. Waiting means we can be productive. Most of David's beautiful and poetic psalm, palms, psalms excuse me, were written while in caves, caverns, and in the wilderness. That's when I was, had no education, I used to say palms. 
Like I used to say the book of Job, I used to say Job. How many ever did that? Don't act so sanctimonious out there. I know you mispronounce some of those names in the Bible. Especially when we get to all those lists of names in Matthew. I ask for volunteers. I don't get too many. But while David was waiting, he had to learn to be a servant. Let's look back at chapter 18 in verses 2 and 5. Notice he had to learn to be a servant. He said in verse 2, and then while he was a servant, by the way, he was building friendships. So in verse 1, I'll read that. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Then two, he said, from that day, Saul kept David from him and did not let him return to his father's house. Then five, whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high ranking in the army. And this pleased all the people and Saul's officers as well. So you're working for an employer and you want a promotion. How are you behaving? How are you conducting yourself? Are they seeing those things that the army and Saul, Saul and David? Are you being successful right where you're at? Why would you get a promotion if you're not being successful where you're at? When David did get the call up to the palace, instead of demanding the throne, he came as a servant. While he was waiting, just think of the things that he did. He ran back to daddy, and he still shepherded the sheep. He was still willing to obey obey daddy when he said, go and bring your brother some food at the front line. He still knew how to serve as he played the harp so that the evil spirit would leave Saul. He did the menial task also, as well as the big tasks that were assigned him. David was humble. And he knew that even as a king, he was still just a servant of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In 2 Samuel 7, he reminds us of that. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O sovereign Lord? What is my family that you have brought me thus far? See his attitude? See the humility? While he's waiting to become king, not like, I deserve this. This is mine. What are you doing in my place? See his attitude? And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. Of course, he said this later on. Do you deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord? What more can I say to you? You know what your servant is really like, sovereign Lord. Because of your promise and according to your will, you have done all this, all these great things and have made them known to your servant. See the kind of attitude he had? Is that the kind of humility that you have while you're waiting on God to meet that specific need in your life? Notice what he was doing. Not only was he servant, but just like Jacob needs to do as a, as a pastor, he's earning friendships. He needs those friends as, before he becomes a senior pastor. And you on that job, you need some friends to, that will support you. We all need that. That's what Jonathan was doing and David was doing. Notice in verse 1 
in verse 3 and 4 again. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. And then verse 3 and 4 again, he reminds us of these friendships. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Wow. I need friends. Jacob needs friends. You need friends like this. I think it was the band of brothers, Guy Shishadi, always tells us probably 90% of the guys don't even have one close, close friend. How many friends do you really have? And is it really the other person's fault or is it your fault that you don't have any friends? We all need friends and David need friend, needed friends before he was catapulted in the position of being king. Jonathan, by the way, was very instrumental in sparing his life. As you remember and recall, Saul wanted to kill him on many occasions and Jonathan went to bat for David. There was also another person that he became close friends with, a very important person. It's good to be friends with very important people, and I don't mean people that are high up on the ladder, but it was Nathan the prophet. He was close to Nathan the prophet. You see, it was Nathan the prophet that helped David discover the will of God concerning the temple. David wanted to build the temple, and Nathan said, you can't do it. You have too much blood on your hands. You've been a warrior, but... Your son Solomon is going to do that. He is also a true friend, and I need friends like this, and Jacob needs friends like this. He's not looking for yes men. I've never looked for yes men. Yes, he wants people to support him. Yes, I want people to support me. But if I'm doing something that will hurt the kingdom of God, I expect my friends to come to me. If I'm doing something that will hurt the church, I and, and I do it absentmindedly, I expect people to come to the front and, or to me and or to him and say, hey, pastor, I think this is not going to advance the kingdom of God. and I don't think it's going to help the church. You see, that's a good friend. You have to have the courage and the boldness to be able to speak in the person's life. But you have had to earn the right to say that. Don't just walk in this church and come up here and start telling me what to do. I might not have too much patience with you. <laughs> don't try my patience there. <laughs> He was a good friend, so he told them the news about what he did wrong, and David repented. He also then came back with some good news. Yes, God's going to take your firstborn, but guess what? Another one born to you in Bathsheba is going to be king of all Israel. So he made good friends while he was waiting on the Lord. I know my have my daughter here today, Megan from Texas. You know, Megan's been with me and her husband for 14 years served with me. But I remember when she started dating JW. I wanted to know what kind of guy he was. I want to know what kind of friends he had. That says a lot about that individual. I even called his daddy up. I called his daddy and said, Tell me what kind of 
young man this JW is. And he told me, because there's a lot of guys that came in my house. I had a shotgun over in the corner. <laughs> they stopped telling me they were dating the guys. Oh, they're just a friend. Have you heard that before, parents? They're just a friend I'm bringing by the house right now. I wanted to know who he hung out with, who his friends are, what is his background, what school did he go to, or, or what, all those things. Who are your friends? Are they godly people? You see, when I got saved, I abandoned, abandoned every ungodly person in my life from hanging out with them, from drinking with them, with partying with them, smoking with them. I didn't want to hang around them. I had a new life, a new king, a new Lord, a new Savior, a new people that was an old citizenship. I had a new citizenship that's in the kingdom of God. Why would I want to be around those losers? I'm around winners now. What are you doing hanging around losers for? Get rid of them. Build new friends in your life. Oh, some of you need to get rid of those rascals quickly. David did that. Now, some people started hanging around him that were rascals, but they began to watch him. And I believe many of those people that began, remember, in the beginning, David had a lot of misfits. Oh, this guy's going to be the next king of Israel. We're going to hang on to his coattails. And some of them were misfits. Just like Jesus. Remember, a lot of people wanted to hang around Jesus until the saying got a little tough. And then the scripture tells us, and many of them left him. David was building an entourage of people. Notice in verse 5, it elaborates on that. In verse 5, in chapter 18, he said, Whatever Saul sent him to do, David did it so successfully that Saul gave him a high rank in the army and displeased all the people and Saul's officers as well. You know, as I, I'm saying a lot now in preparation next year as I believe that Jacob is going to become the next pastor here. We will still work together for many, many years as we do that. But I, listen, I always tell people this. You know, coaching, I did coaching for years, and, and I couldn't stand when a coach would have a son pitching when everyone in the stands knew that boy did not deserve to be pitching, but because he was daddy's boy, he got to pitch or play first base, right? We've all been there, seen that, done that. Amen. Okay. <laughs> that guy does not deserve it. Well, I wanted you to know that this was not my pick. It was God's pick, and it's your pick, too. And he's been earning your trust for the last couple of years. We're not just thrusting him into, into this spot. Now you know it's God's pick, and now you know it's been my pick, and then you're going to have a chance to say, well, this is your pick. He's finding favor with the people that he serves. Notice that's exactly what happened to David in verse 6 through 7. Notice not only did he, not only did he gain favor with the army, which he needed to do before he became king, right? He needed to have an army behind him. They were all behind Saul. So he killed Goliath that automatically earned the respect of a lot. And then, of course, Saul put him in charge of a 1,000 people. And everywhere he went, he was successful. So naturally, those, those men gravitated toward a leader, which David was. And then verse 6 and 7 reminds us, when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, 
the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with trampolines and with flutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. So see, David in this time of waning was making friends. He also was influencing the people that would serve under him. He was also influencing all those in Israel that would one day come over to him and say, he's my king. He was earning that respect. Are you earning that respect in order to get that promotion? In order to get that leadership role? In order for people to follow you? In order to speak into their lives? I've always said this about evangelism, and I really believe it. You see, to me, in my view, in the last 30, 40 years, the speaker has replaced the evangelist. What do I mean by that? You go out there and catch him, and I'll skin him. That's what many preachers have said throughout the country, and people have bought into that lie. You see, you know people that I don't know. You have influence in the life that I don't have. If you have any kind of testimony, it's going to be more believable than mine. So why are you bringing them to church and asking me to lead them? They don't know me, but they know you. Is your testimony believable so that when you open your mouth and speak about Jesus, they'll believe because they've seen him active in your lives? You're the one that can win them to Christ because you've been behaving yourself like David has been behaving himself. Well, examine those relationships that you have. Who are they? How about your college roommates? Who are you hanging out with? Your friends. Can I ask you, do you have spiritual friends? Remember, iron sharpens iron. Those spiritual friends are willing to sacrifice. They are loyal. They're not fair-weather friends. They won't talk against you when you're not around. And you give your friend or friends complete freedom to be themselves when they're hurt, when they complain, and they're encouragers. Are you that kind of friend? You see, people build bands. What kind of band are you building? People build businesses. What kind of people are you building your business with? Remember, the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked, and it's not talking just about marriage. Why in the world would you want to go in business with an ungodly woman or an ungodly man? You have two, to, two total different approaches to running your business. Now, if you're in that spot right now, pray to get out of it. Now, I know it's not possible to work with saints. We live in an ungodly world. I know that is almost an impossibility. But if you're going to go in business or if you're going to get married, please remember the scripture not to be unequally yoked. So what kind of friends do you have? Are you being productive while you are waiting on the Lord? I want the power of the spirit of the living God to fall upon this church. Am I? Are we being productive while we're waiting? Well, we're ushering in the 21 days. By the way, there's going to be a book I want you to purchase. We'll have them on the, uh, the, the desk next week. 
Um, it's called Draw the Circle. How many have ever read or looked at the book Draw the Circle? And it will be for 40 days. But you'll start on the 21 days, and then you can continue 20 more days after that to continue your walk with God. This church is pretty crowded today. I wonder what it will be like when we call a prayer meeting. If I said Tim Tebow was coming next week, the place would be packed. If I said we're going to have a prayer meeting, I wonder. Listen, I, as a pastor, as shepherds, we try not to tax you. We know you have families to raise. We know you have jobs. We understand that. And so we don't try to get you down at this building all the time. So when we do, we believe it is for the glory of God and for the best interests of the kingdom of God on this earth in this place. But if we don't pray, I believe the spirit will stay away. So let's come together to pray on the 21 days of prayer. And if you'd like to fast, you can. Well, got one thing that God is doing is he's producing patience in all of us while we mature. And he's being productive in your lives while you're waiting, right? What about something you learn during this time of waiting? What about his provisions? David learned something about his provisions. Remember, he was being attacked constantly, so God protected him. Notice in Psalms 27, he said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should I be afraid? Let me tell you, the enemy has been attacking the church, try to, try to coward us into the corner. And he's going to pull out all kinds of tricks this year. You just mark it down because the world is at its best during the political season. Right? And he's already trying to pull out all stops. And they're going to try to get you to fear. I've been reading about it today. New diseases, new things on the horizon. How are we going to conduct ourselves? Well, we will not be afraid. And the reason I could stand is because you stood with me and I stood with you. I cannot stand alone. So I do not. I'm not going to be proudful and say, yes, Chris, follow me. I Listen, I can do it because you're standing with me and I'm standing with you. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Why should we be afraid or I be afraid, David said. The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble when evil people come to devour me? When my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. And that's one thing we as Americans have got to learn, that Jesus said there will be suffering, there will be pain. And it doesn't mean we're out of his will when that happens. You see, David learned during his time of waiting how God would protect him and provide for him. I remember one time when David went to war and they kind of, weren't paying attention, and an army overtook their wives and all their goods, and the men wanted to stone him. But he took refuge in the Lord, and he went and he delivered all the wives and their belongings from their enemies. So he knew what it was like to receive God's protection and provisions he needed much during this time while he was waiting to become king. 
Where do you think he learned Psalms 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runs over, basically, with plenty. David needed provisions at times when he was out there all alone waiting to become king. And by the way, he saw how God provided for him. He even wanted to, he went to sin. He didn't realize he was going to sin. And God has protected many of us many times. We don't even realize it, how he has protected us like he did King David. Remember, King David was hungry. And his men were hungry. And so he had been in a certain area where he had been protecting basically Nabal's estate. And this guy was wealthy. He needed some food. And he went to someone who would give him some food. Remember, God said, him that knoweth to do it good, but doesn't do it to him, it is sin. If you have it within your means to help someone and don't do it, it is sin. Nabal had it within his means to provide, to be an instrument in the hands of God, to help take care of the next king and his army, to be in good standing with the king. Instead, he held him in contempt. Who are you, buddy? A lot of people trying to become king. I'm not giving you a cotton-picking thing. That fired up David. He set out to kill him. Here is a guy that's going to become the next king. Listen, you can't do it, but God can do it. And he, that is God, provided for David. How did he do that? Abigail. Abigail intervened. David went out to kill all these people. And Abigail reminded him, listen, you don't want this on your hands. You don't want this on your conscience. You don't want to have to battle this when you become king. Nabal is a wicked man. I overheard what happened, and here is all that you need. God took care of him. And then on top of that, he got the girl to boot. How did that happen? He freaked out when he found out that David got what he wanted from his estates. Ten days after he had a heart attack, he died. And Abigail became his wife. I'm not saying you should pray that anyway out here. Please don't. <laughs> that, no, there's nothing in that at all, except for the fact that God provided for David while he was waiting and didn't even have it within his means to take care of himself. He will provide for you. How many of us know how God has provided for us while we were waiting for our next paycheck or for the bill that needed to be paid or for the college bill? We all have experienced that, and we pass it on to our children. How you wait is very important. Waiting for a spouse, waiting for a check, waiting for a career, waiting for a house. There can be supernatural blessings in the waiting. The last thing I want to say to you, by the way, the biggest thing that came my way while I was waiting, there are a lot of things I have, but I remember being 24 years old. Now, when I got saved, everybody said, you're going to be a preacher. I mean, the second I woke up out of that womb, Jesus, 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 literally, it just happened. I don't take any credit for it. I couldn't talk. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's all that came out of my mouth. And it was a good way, not a cuss way. So everybody told me I was going to be a preacher. How is that going to happen? I have a ninth grade education. That's it at that time. 
How am I going to do it? I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to climb the hill. I didn't know how to climb the ladder of success. I, I knew nothing about it. But I loved the church. I was always faithful to the church. I took seriously when, when Hebrews tells us, don't forsake the assembling of God's people. You don't have to tell me that. I want to make a beeline to the church. I love the church. So one day I locked my keys in my house. Here it is, 9 o'clock, 9.30. I'm getting ready to go to church, get in my car and drive away. And I locked my keys in the house so I couldn't get my car. What did I do? I got to go to church. It's Sunday. It's almost time. I jogged down the road and found a church called Lifeline Baptist Church. I met Dr. Gerald, Gerald Taylor. Within six months, he saw the gift of preaching to me, anointing me, prayed over me, and said, you're going off to school, and gave me a license into the ministry and said, go to this college where I met my wife. All because I, while I was waiting to be a pastor of a church, was I going to sit home and not go to church? It wasn't a legalistic thing. No one had to tell me. I, I wanted to go to church. And because I went to that church... A man saw the gifted ministry in me, and he sent me on my way to become a pastor for the next 40 years because I was doing what I was supposed to be doing while I was waiting, one of the greatest answers to my prayers while I was waiting. You see, God has a purpose in ending beyond yourself while you're waiting on him to answer your prayers. People are watching you. People are looking at you like they looked at King David. He earned the right to become king. The people rejoiced when he became king. Waiting blesses others. You see, when, because Joseph waited and got that position, all of Israel was spared starvation. Had Joseph not waited properly, had he given in to the sins like at Potiphar's house, or had he gone to jail and moaned and griped while he was in jail, instead of interpreting Pharaoh's servants' dreams. He would have never been in that position, and guess what? He would have never been in a position that helped spare the lives of all his forefathers and his family. Because he was faithful while he was waiting, he blessed others. Others are watching you while you're waiting, how you're conducting yourselves. Kids learn a lot from you and me while they're waiting. Waiting allows others to see God in you. Think about the last thing, Job. I think about Job. What a blessing he has been to the saints down through the corridors of history because how he waited in the middle of persecution. He lost everything. I know a lot of us have lost things. You deserve compassion. You deserve love. You deserve kindness. But Job, how he waited, has been an inspiration for 2,000 or 3,000 or 4,000 years to the saints down through the corridors of history because he waited properly and would not curse God and get mad at God because he stripped him of everything that he had and even his own life was attacked, and he still would not curse God. Oh, because he waited properly, what a blessing and an inspiration 
and the hope that he's given believers down to the corridors of history. How are you waiting right now as you wait for that answered prayer, that spouse, that house, that bigger paycheck, that child? says a lot about your faith and my faith in God. The scripture we began with, we end with, Isaiah 40. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Would you stand at this time? As the service continues, remember this is a time, again, we don't have a lot of prayer time together, but it is a time that you can come to the altar and pray about many of the things that we just talked about or things that we didn't even talk about this morning. If you're looking in online or you're here today and you've never made that decision and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting to make the decision, and I can almost hear God say, what are you waiting on? What you have heard, you could go be a teacher and a professor in China. What you've heard today. Remember what he told the people of his day? The saints of old desired to be a part of what you're a part of today. The Holy Spirit is at work right now, convicting and convincing convicting people of sin, convincing people that Jesus is the Son of the living God. Today's the day. Don't wait for tomorrow because no man knows what tomorrow will produce. For your life is but a vapor that appears for a while and then vanishes. Would you please make that decision today to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? And if you're looking in online this morning and you're ready to make that decision, please put in the tag section. I've accepted Christ, and someone will get back with you this week. Father, please continue to work with the seeds that were sown in my life and the life of your church. Save, heal, and do a work while we're waiting. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.